And welcome to episode 205 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the goose, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. You told me not to think. I should have called you the ghost. That would have been not, <laughs> not me. <laughs> On this week's episode, we've got the Oscar noms, fucking hell beer, wandering earth, Joe's, Last of Us premiere data, and other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, Top Gun Maverick. But first, Al, we should have done an audio recording of the theme song for our intro. That would have been good. It would have been a good one. It was, it was... Or Danger Zone Karaoke. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned after the credits. No, we're not doing that. Uh, but first, Al, what are we drinking? Um, we are drinking Southern Tier Brewing Company's Lakeshore Fog, which is a hazy, juicy IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 6.5% alcohol by volume. And it's brewed and canned by Southern Tier Brewing Company, Lakewood, New York. This is unfortunately only 12 ounces, but we'll give them a pass because we've done a bunch of Southern Tier beers. I think they're usually been solid to us on this show. They're they're solid. Um, I've been very jealous of the wonderful head retention on your beers the last couple of times we've done the show, and thankfully mine had a pretty juicy head this time. So now I don't find mine does this. Ah, okay. Interesting. Well, it's about time we started pulling this back on, like evening out the scale. So yeah, uh, loving the can art, liking that that beautiful blue color. I like all of the different ranges of blue that they use for it versus changing the color up. You know what this uh, looks like is it looks like if you're playing Pokemon blue on a Game Boy color where everything is blue shaded, but slightly does. different shades of blue, blue, green. That's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I also love this little lighthouse. It's a sweet lighthouse. Southern tier, man. They've, they've got some good stuff. Yeah. Always. I, I, I'm not sure that I've been let down by a Southern tier. No, I don't know that they've ever really had something that, like, knocked my socks off, but they've never had anything where I've been like, huh, this yeah. sucks. But, like, Just something that's nice, a nice consistency where you could walk into a liquor store and be like, I would like a good beer, and then you see their logo, and you're like, you know what? I know the general level of quality that I'll be getting. I can grab any one of these, and I probably won't have an issue with it. Yes, very that's solid, nice. consistent, workmanlike. Look at, look at Jack's Abbey. Like no, a, I would put Jack's Abbey, uh, the, say, Jack's Abbey above it. I respect, or sorry, I, I will equate, you're right, the consistency level, yeah. but I would think the overall, I would say the overall quality level is a little higher with Jack's Abbey. I'm down with that. Because we've had I'm a couple beers that. where we were like, hell yeah, from that. Yeah, so. <laughs> this is special. Yeah. Uh, just to be clear, there's one very small, one very, it, it's an ale, just in case you're wondering. Oh, it's, what do you know? <laughs> This is a very small amount of text, but it's right there. It also looks like it also looks like it was something they felt really important that they should tell you, but they didn't know where to put it, and so they just kind of like jammed it. Also, L. (laughs) They just jammed it in a really random spot. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um, Actually, I guess before we before we taste it, though, a little bit on the look here. Uh, Completely opaque on my end. Yours looks Uh, a little bit more see through. Oh yeah, mine's much clearer than yours, and. it's a very light, pale, goldenrod type of color. It looks like a pilsner, but I will tell you, it does not smell like a pilsner. It smells delicious. Mine, mine looks how it smells. It looks juicy AF. Yeah, it's I juicy, also did roll mine fresh. before I opened it, so I, that would. Explain. I did not roll mine, so that yeah, that would that, do it. That probably it. It smells oh, juicy made, and fresh and refreshing. It does. I'm pretty excited about it. I think I'm going in. 
Yep. Cheers. What's what's what taste is the beer? Let's go with. Mmm. <laughs> buttercream, Coxkin buttercream. <laughs> That's nice. Very nice. This might be my favorite Southern tier. Mm. Is that too rash to say that like that? It's been a while since we've had one. Not having, yeah, not having the immediate memory of other Southern tiers on on my tongue. I mean, pumpkin, right? That's the, the yeah. The, that, I mean, standard. Do they do warlock not, as well? I forget. That's so. else. Yeah, they do. They do. But this is not. This is really good because this is also right up my alley. It's not. Um, it's very. It is very juicy. Very juicy, but crisp, not too sweet. It's got a yeah. a crisp, dry finish to it, but that juicy, sweet flavor on the front end of the profile. Like, almost no bitter taste at all. It's it's subtle. It's it's lingering there just to balance it out. I think that's part of the crispness of the finish, but it's not mm-hmm. punching you in the face with hops. It's definitely letting the juiciness be more forward. It smells fantastic. This is really good. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Trace Stuckles. Okay. I'll meet you. I'll meet you at three. Were you on the fence? Were you on the fence with four again? Yeah, I was between two and three, but very, very yeah. good. I'll, I'll meet you there. Yeah, I like it. This is nice. I uh, I feel like we've been we've been back for a little bit now. We've been going we've been going steady. We've had a good run of beers. We've had a good run of beers. I agree. The my least favorite of them was the Irish Stout, but honestly, that wasn't the beer's fault. Yeah, I was gonna say that. So. I would agree. That seems like the one that you enjoyed the least, but you still seem to enjoy it. Yeah, still good. <laughs> it's, it's like it's what it should be. It's what it should have been. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean. Just wasn't up my alley, but this is this is good. All right, I'm we're on. I'm, I'm really I'm digging this. You know, we got we, we so far. Uh, you'll we'll get into it later when we do our reviews. But I'd be like fairly consistent with the quality of movies that we've been doing. Fairly yep. consistent with the quality of beer that we've been doing. This has been all in all pretty good. We're back. We're back. <laughs> we're back, baby. All right. Uh, well, with that, I think it's time to get into some news and nuggets. Tell me, um. Let's start with this fucking hell beer. I want to know what that's all about. I'm very <laughs> curious. I'm curious right. since you made me write it down. So, um, uh, you know, I, I dropped the ball slightly. I forgot to bring up this story. I have a, a screenshot capped from this, but um, uh, hang on one minute. Vamping. Vamping. <laughs> we don't have to do that. I auto-trim the silence. <laughs> now I'm just making it awkward. It's okay. So, um, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I've mentioned in the past on Defector, which is the evolution that used to be Deadspin when that was a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew McGarry writes during the football season every Thursday. His it's Drew McGarry's Thursday afternoon NFL dick joke jamboree. Right, uh, it's uh, his football column that he writes on Thursdays, and <clears throat> there's been a lot of running segments of that. It always opens with some sort of story or anecdote or life lesson that he wants to impart and then it gets into discussion of the football games sometimes it's of football sometimes it's not at all he rates all of the games for that weekend um on a scale of one to five throwgasms which are represented by a football um (laughs) stupid it's incredibly stupid um but then on top of that every week he has there's some things that have been from the beginning some things that have been swapped in and out one of the things that he has, for at least the last several years, has been the game time cheap beer of the week. And writers okay. submit 
the randomest, cheapest beer they can find. Often it's international. There's a lot of people who are like, I was on holiday in like Vietnam and I found this random ass beer. Or sometimes it's, I was in some gas station in like Ames, Iowa. And I saw this, I've never <laughs> heard of it before. Like, so okay. um, there was one this week that was uh, the game time cheap beer of the week. Fucking hell. From, oh, that was the name of the beer. Okay. All right. From German reader burned. And I'm going to send this to you right now, Anthony, so that you can follow along and take a look at the picture. I know that you usually are on Do Not Disturb, but uh, <laughs> here it comes because fucking hell is a legitimate name. There is a yeah. city near Salzburg in Austria called Fucking that's famously had to cement its signs at the city limits because they Amazing. keep getting stolen. The word hell means light colored and in Germany frequently refers to a brewing style, especially near Munich. However, the brewery's owners describe their beer as b- being more Pilsner style. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a sham. The beer isn't actually brewed in fucking. Nonetheless, the brewery's owners managed to get a trademark <laughs> registered across Europe. No U.S. distribution, though. No one will register the trademark for them. It's 539 euros for a six-pack. This is actually quite expensive by German standards. Um, it's got a green label. <laughs> it's got some gold foil. It's spelled with a pH, so it's pronounced fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced fuck like fuck. <laughs> It's a uh, fucking hell, and um, I would love to get my hands on a bottle of this. I don't know if I would even drink it. I just want a bottle oh, to display. Oh, no, you got you to drink it. You if drink it, and give me you a, display the bottle. If, if someone can give me a six-pack, I will drink five of them. I will share okay, five That's of fair. Them, and that's I will fair. save one for possible. I mean, this is pretty wonderful. Fucking hell. It's so, it's so unassuming. You're just <laughs> like, oh, from a distance, that's probably a Heineken-like. Yeah. And then you get a little closer. You're like, wait, no, is that Rolling Rock? And then you get a little closer. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I did this on the show, but I, I sent one of these to uh, Dominic and his friends a couple weeks ago from this column. Um, there was a, a beer called Booty Light. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it has since been cons- con- discontinued, but mm. <clears throat> Reader Trace uh, will pour one out for his lost p- treasure. I believe they have now gone out of business, but this is one of my all-time favorite beers based simply on marketing. The company is called Booty Beer. The motto is America's Entertainment Beer. If you look closely, you can see on the side of the can it reads, Grab a Booty. (laughs) All one word, (laughs) G-R-A-B-E-B-O-O-T-I-E. I'm thinking now, you know when you go to like a, uh, I haven't been to like a Friday's in ages, right? But they Mm -hmm. do like the, they'll pour the, the Blue Moon and the Guinness together and they'll call it like, uh, I don't know. They have like some silly name for combining the two beers together. Isn't that a black and tan, basically? Sure. Well, that's what I think it's actually called, but they have some stupid name for it. But because I think black you... and tan technically is supposed to use gingling, but it's the sure. same principle. But I, I mean, like, surely we should be serving this with the booty one at our brewery, and we should, it should be called booty fucking, right? Like, I just like <laughs> it's got to be. You got to make. You got to mix it up. That would be such a terrible beer. A shitty American light beer mixed with. <laughs> A questionable German pills adjacent <laughs> beer. Questionably expensive German pilsner. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think now you have to make something that is of the a, a mixture of those styles, and that's what it will be called. Uh, I would not be caught dead making a light beer. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just don't make it light. Just pour half of the cup. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. It's so stupid. All right. Well, that was that. Okay. So you know what? Every once in a while, you pull out one of these articles from this place, and it really doesn't work out. Uh, I'm gonna save the Oscar noms for the end because I, I I haven't looked at them yet. I just took a quick glance, and I feel like it'll be fun to go through this. I also so, only barely skimmed the list. So I figured we'd do it. So tell me how we're gonna break number one in China. Oh yeah. So I saw this, and I was like, oh man. We gotta now talk about chance. this. Considering we were at one point the number nineteen movie podcast in China, um, so I I stumbled across this story online the other day. Um, it was well, on... just just to, to pause on that for a second. That that is a lot of people to be sitting through our nonsense <laughs> unless they skipped ahead to the movie. Which I mean, granted, we give bookmarks for that reason. <laughs> sure, um, I'm. I am genuinely wondering how this show, any episode of our show, <laughs> plays in China. I mean, there's a decent chance that it was just, like, an entire department of, like, the Chinese government listening to find if we, like, slandered China. They sure. just listened to the whole episode start to finish. <laughs> okay, this is this is uh, unoffensive, whatever. But it's this just there's so many. It's not of, how we expected it to be. Yeah, but like unoffensive <laughs> to our sensibilities. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel like we were, if nothing else, not not complimentary to them, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway. High praise. I stumbled across this totally unassuming, and I was like, well, I got to talk about this now. So this was actually a review <laughs> on Polygon. I'm not going to read the whole review, oh, okay. but the beginning was kind of a little bit of like a background. So the, the headline was, The Wandering Earth 2 takes a sci-fi blockbuster in a stranger, darker direction. Um, so technically, it's not a sequel. So let me read the beginning of this. So successfully, this Im- The Wandering Earth also? Well, no. Uh, to successfully imitate the kind of mega-budget worldwide blockbuster most closely associated with Hollywood productions, filmmaker Frant Guo literally went global. 2019's The Wandering Earth, a sci-fi disaster adventure that became one of China's biggest ever box office hits, takes place in a future world where Earth has been implanted with thrust rockets and piloted out of orbit <laughs> to avoid a solar disaster. Uh, Astronauts still can't get over that plot. It, I mean, it was inventive, for sure. Yeah. Um, Astronauts must steer the spaceship planet to a... Holy shit, Epson, fuck off. Um, sorry, but my auto, like, <laughs> updater install thing just popped up and took up my entire screen. <laughs> um, astronauts, must, <laughs> astronauts must steer the, the spaceship planet to a new home. I'm the sorry, they must... Steer, are, you, are you Sean Connery reading <laughs> yes. the review? <laughs> astronauts must steer the spaceship <laughs> to a new home while the surface freezes and its diminished inhabitants huddle underground. The film's enormous scope helped the movie become a Chinese smash, though it fell short of a worldwide phenomenon. In the U.S., it had a limited theatrical run, then premiered on... It was a Chinese smash. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wandering Earth's extensive, sometimes convoluted world building, drawn from a short story by the three-body problem author Sixin Liu, um, left plenty of room for a follow-up. But Guo must have grown attached to the less icy version of his home planet because The Wandering Earth 2, receiving a somewhat wider U.S. release alongside its Chinese debut, is something even less likely than a disaster movie sequel. It's a disaster movie prequel. Oh. Set across multiple decades leading up to Earth's launch out of orbit, enabled by thousands of fusion-powered engines around the globe, the prequel starts off with plenty of its predecessors grabbed by maximalism. There is a seeming mad scientist extolling the virtues of a digital you that can live forever. 
An AI-based plan pitched is an alternate way to survive the coming apocalypse. It's unclear, but it sounds like the idea was to upload everyone to a Matrix-esque digital world and leave the actual one to fry. Pro-digital terrorist groups attack a massive space elevator, explosions and low-gravity fisticuffs erupt, and we learn that 91% of Americans oppose moving Earth out of orbit because they don't think a problem 100 years away is worth solving. The world isn't on the side of the reality. (laughs) One official laments. The sprawling results initially feel like a mashup of Don't Look Up and Independence Day Resurgence, but as the film enters its second hour, then its third, it brings in even more familiar bits and pieces of other movies. Did you say end its third? uh, It's second hour, then its third. It runs 173 minutes, so it's just a hair under three hours. Okay. Um, (laughs) This is a funny sentence. There is so much movie in The Wandering Earth (laughs) 2. I like that. The movie may set a record for the sheer number of subtitled locations, timelines, characters, and occasionally even hardware. Um, The first movie's astronaut, Liu P. P. Kang, gets a backstory. So does one of the computer systems. The writing team steals bits of Interstellar one moment and engages in parallel thinking with Moonfall the next. Um, So anyway, that's a battle I really want to read about this. But I'm, I'm shocked by the audacity to name something The Wandering Earth 2 when it takes place prior to the events of the first movie. Yeah. So... Do they not understand how prequels and sequels work? I was like, curious. From, is, like is from this a like a... Convention is this just a title translation issue? It could be. Uh, it okay. very much could be. But yeah, I would have thought they would have understood like the naming conventions would be like, <laughs> you know. What if it came out of if it was The Wandering Earth 1? Would you respect that? So that you had the Wandering Earth and then the Wandering Earth one, yeah. The Wandering Earth before the Wandering. It should be pre-Wandering Earth. The, the pre-Wandering Earth. The pre-Wandering. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm. Okay, I kind of want to watch this. I mean, we watched the first one. Um, I, I was entertained. Yeah. No. Um. So I won't read any more of the review. I just oh. wanted to read that backstory on how this movie was made and the general premise of it. It's kind of cool that that it, that it happened. I mean, it is. It's kind of awesome how much traction that that first one did get, and it was it was a lot of fun. So, are you talking about our show on it, or yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, that that too? Uh, really, I'm yes, I'm doing this for self. I want to do this movie for selfish reasons. Yeah, <laughs> sure, reasons. why not? Um, this time, I'll probably even watch the whole dubbed Netflix version rather than the Chinese subtitled version for the first two thirds, and then the sub. The, the dubbed version for the final thing. Amen. I watched I watched the subtitled version all the way through. I will say, you know, I have no problem with that, except for especially in like a an action like oriented movie like this, you do spend a lot of time focusing on that bottom tenth of yes. the screen and missing a lot. Yeah. Um I don't have a problem with it either. It's just if there is an English alternative, I'm gonna choose that one. Like yeah. we've done a couple of Korean movies, and I had no problem doing it with the subtitles. Yes, um, I would have also had no problem doing um, that one with all of the sign language if uh, it had, had the subtitles. <laughs> I the whole thing. I called? think it's incredible. A Quiet Place. That's right. It was like something about silence or something about subtitles. That was the deafening silence. That's what <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was called. Man, that is great. I, I still I can't I, I cannot go back and watch it again with the subtitles. I can't. No. I it's fun to laugh about, but the shame I would feel rewatching that movie yep. 
I can't do it. I'll, I'll watch the second one eventually. I can't rewatch the first one. I just like I, the, the, the idea that the whole time you're watching, you're like, I just assume this is real sign language. And for somebody else, this means a lot more than it means to me. <laughs> I mean, if you go <laughs> the to the monologue you were having, if no, you're going to go to the lengths to shoot 80% of your movie with sign language, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that they researched it and have it correct. Cause like, cause just imagine being a deaf viewer, seeing this movie was coming out, being excited. Oh, they're going to do something that's super relevant to me. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And then just sitting there the whole time, like it's fucking wrong. That's fucking wrong. They're just oh, doing shit. Like, they're just doing mean, shit with their hands. Fuck you. You mean like Fuck when, all of uh, you. one of those quote unquote translators hops up in front of a politician and isn't a real translator? Is that Have you, you've seen this, right? This has happened a couple of times where somebody gets up there to do sign language and they're not part of the plan. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't think it up. Yeah. I've oh, seen, it's a thing. I've seen you're actual translators do actual sign language for those things. I've never seen what oh, you're no. talking about. Oh, I'll, 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 send, I'll send you one. It's, it's convincing to somebody who doesn't know any better, like me, uh, but it was not accurate. <laughs> All right, so The Wandering Earth 2. Let's say that to the list. 2023. That's at least a year away, right? <laughs> I have I have news for you. Dude, I've been writing the wrong date all year. I haven't got it wrong yet, surprisingly. I think I'm good. I think I'm in the clear. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> oh, good for you. <laughs> Tell me about the Last of Us premiere date. That's all right. This one is... piece of data. <laughs> uh, well, it's not a datum. It's data. So. Alright. Multiple datums? <laughs> no, multiple data. 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 Um, this is on variety. <laughs> we have fun. Yeah, um, we try. Uh this is from uh January twenty third. What the last of us the other week that really pissed you off? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. I it was the problem is you took something that already had a weird mm-hmm. pluralization and you made it the wrong one. <laughs> you did the radius radii thing, but to something that it just did not apply to. <laughs> That's sad. That sounds right. I do that a lot. Yeah. Intentionally. Okay. Yeah. No, it's fine. The Last of Us scores HBO's largest ever viewership growth for a drama from premiere to episode two. Oh. After achieving HBO's second most watched series premiere in more than a decade, The Last of Us is now reaching an even bigger audience and breaking a new record for the pay TV channel. According to measurements by Nielsen, combined with first-party data from Warner Brothers Discovery, Episode 2 brought in 5.7 million viewers across linear airings on HBO and streams on HBO Max. That marks a 22% increase from last week's record-breaking 4.7 million, a number that Warner Brothers Discovery later reported had already jumped to 10 million viewers after two days of availability. Per HBO, the jump from the initial premiere viewership to Episode 2's debut audience is the largest Week 2 audience growth growth for an HBO original drama series in the history of the network. The network also offered yet another update regarding the series premiere's viewership, stating that after one full week of availability... Episode 1 is now tracking at 18 million viewers, up nearly 4x from its premiere night audience. The immediate popularity of The Last of Us is unsurprising. The drama series is an adaptation of the mega-hit video game of the same name that has sold over 10 million copies worldwide. The only comparable HBO series in recent memory is House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones sequel, 
series that debuted in August. Again, with the sequel that's actually a prequel. Fuck. So really, they're just following our lead, I guess, and we fucked it up first. The series that debuted in August of 2022. Both series have significantly outperformed the launch of both seasons of Euphoria, which became HBO's second biggest series of all time after Game of Thrones during its second season in early 2022. For comparison, Euphoria Season 2 premiered to 2.4 million viewers and grew to 6.6 million by its finale, though it should be noted that House of Dragon The Last of Us had the benefit of debuting as parts of franchises that already established fan bases. Uh, HBO noted that Sunday night viewership for an HBO series typically represents 20 to 40% of the show's total gross audience per episode. Interesting. I was Therefore, curious about it that. it can be expected that The Last of Us Episode 2 titled Infected will hit another milestone soon. Uh, and then the rest of it is just about the show itself. So, nice. yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. I'm glad that it's getting this kind of traction because that just means that they'll, they'll at least go for sure with a second season, which yeah, I, I mean, assume will cover the second game. A premiere that is second only to the sequel to the most popular show on HBO history. Yeah. That's a pretty nice. That's impressive. Cap. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and and it's awesome. I mean, like, and to their credit, like, they're it is it is so good, and uh, we will get into that more after the credits. Yes, um, but also, also, I'm exciting. Would be skeptical that season two would be about the second game because there's a time jump, isn't there? There is a time jump. However, <laughs> the main actress. Is currently the age of the act of the character in the second game, so it could just like they could make it work. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I figured this would be the type of thing that maybe you'd do in like three seasons, and the second season would kind of fill in the gaps between the two. That games. would be cool. I, I and then the third that, season, that, would be I, I would be all for game. that. Yeah, because I mean, and then there's also I think what's nice about that is they're not done either. So really, I I mean, I guess the way. That I'm aware that the second game ended, like, I don't remember all the details, but it seemed like it was open to more, but it also could easily end right there as well. It's, uh, it, the game, the second game has a post-credit sequence that kind of passes the baton to what, like, uh, somebody else being the point of focus. Okay. Um, so, like, it, it makes sense that they would be working on the third one, and they, they've probably been working on it for a while, would be my guess. It was, like, and what, like, seven years between those games coming out? Yeah, it was quite a bit of time. Um, I don't know exactly, but that would give them time. Like if they did another season, like if they did a, an in between season, and then the third season is the second game. Like that would give enough time for like a third game to come out, which could mm-hmm. be cool. Or like you know maybe they do a time jump there too, give them another season buffer for TV. Like it, like just to make sure like it gets spread out. But I, I yeah, I'm really curious to see what they do. And honestly, if they just did. If they did two seasons that covered both games, like that would be enough, and it would be fantastic. Like they're doing an incredible job so far, and I cannot wait. Uh, yeah, so f- I, I very much look forward to Sundays. The first game came out in 2013. The second game came out in 2020. There you go. There you go. That's awesome. Very exciting. Very happy to hear that it's doing this well. Uh, it would be funny to. I want to. I want to take a peek into the parallel universe where uncharted got this treatment <laughs> instead of getting a movie and got like a an actual like legit like hbo show that captured all of the essence um because that would have been cool too but uh i mean i guess it still could happen things have been rebooted faster 
in the past. So <laughs> I also think you, if you wanted to go with the groundwork, you could just hand off that movie into a show. That's true. That's true. Um, but a show that was more faithful to the already good storylines that go on in the game would sure benefit Uncharted as well. Um, but anyway, that's really exciting. I'm pumped that they're doing well. I, I mean, if you listen to our post credits last week, I, I felt like the first episode was flawless and the per- a perfect adaptation. Like, and it was like this is this is exactly what a video game show or movie should be. Like, there's like one, don't make them off of games with a shitty story. There's no reason to because there's so many games that have great stories. This one is one of the best. So it makes sense. So if they screwed it up, it, it would have been really hard to screw it up because they have like, it already plays out like a movie. So like they have all the stuff they need. <laughs> yeah. The only way you could fuck this up is if you're just decided, Ooh, let's trade on the name, the last of us. But yeah. we don't really feel like doing all of that. So yeah. Yeah. We're just going to do our thing. And Hey, fungus zombies too. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn Livett, 12 years old. Uh, Fungies. <laughs> was it that word <laughs> oh man awesome well that's exciting moving on to our final nugget slash news the oscar nominees are out as of you said yesterday i think it was today as of today as of this actual recording so last as of week january 25th so. <laughs> yeah as of January 25th, which is a Wednesday, which Anthony and I intend to release as an episode Friday, which will be released on Tuesday. Most likely. Yep. That tracks. That tracks. So looking at these, looking at this list, uh, we've got, I've got the best picture list in front of me. And uh, how did you, was there a way to sort it or did you just jump? To well, that? I just searched Oscar nominations and let Google do the heavy lifting. Oh, cause I'm on the Oscars.org and I, if you would like. Oh, that's probably a better way to do it. Let's do that. So I'll I'll start. Actor in a leading role. Okay. Uh, Nominees, Austin Butler for Elvis. Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Inisherin. I guess I have to watch Elvis. Um, Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Paul Meskel for Aftersun. And Bill Nye for Living. I like him. Oh, yeah. Bill Nye's great. Um, I didn't know that about his story until somewhat recently. And I still only know it in brief. But apparently... He had kind of considered leaving acting until um, Love Actually kind of <laughs> relaunched slash honestly launched in earnest for the first time his career. I sing that stupid song more times a day than anybody should. Which one? Oh, wait, really? The one he plays in the movie? I feel it in my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> and I just walk around the house singing it. <laughs> but yeah. I uh, I'm also I've been wanting to watch the whale anyway, and I lo- you know I love Brendan Fraser, so I'm excited to watch that. I mean, I I suspect based on what I've heard that he'll probably win it for this, mm-hmm. but um, it seems that way. It's almost like it's his renaissance. It seems like a uh, what was it? What, uh, was it Renee Zellweger when she came back at a, and like won an Oscar? Like it just feels like that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I have heard that that's a very dark and depressing movie, but I still yeah. would like to see it for him. Um, the yeah. one I've been really intrigued by is the Banshees of Inisherin. So, um, same. That's on something right now, isn't it? Is that HBO or Netflix? Ooh, it's available I, somewhere. I think so. I think it might be on HBO. So I think I saw it when I went to fire up The Last of Us. Word. Um, I had heard of four of these movies. I had not heard of the Bill Nye vehicle. So, mm. 
Nice. It is, on, it is on HBO. Moving on, we have actor in a supporting role. We've got Brendan Gleeson in the Banshees of Inisherin. Is that how you say it? If, uh, sure. So sure. I've been saying it. Brian, uh, Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway. That's an Apple TV show? A TV movie? I So I've been confused by that. I saw he was nominated, but I wasn't sure what it was for. I know he's in that thing with Jennifer Lawrence, but I didn't know if that yeah. was a movie or a show. I am guessing, based on this, then it's a movie. But it's, I believe it's on Apple TV. Uh, it is a movie, and it is on Apple TV. All right, cool. I, I, I He's great. So Yeah, we just got to talk, to, talk about him a couple weeks ago with Bullet Train. He's definitely not a diesel. <laughs> no. Uh, but I, So I'll, I'll be down to watch that. We've got Judd Hirsch in The Fablemans. We've got Barry Kogan. Sure. Uh, who I is, actually that's heard... Druid, right? Druid? Yes. Druid? Druid sucks. Um, Druid sucks. I had heard his name pronounced the other day, and I did not retain it. Because hmm. I've always been curious how it's pronounced as well. And we have K. Huyu Kwong from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which we've been wanting short to round. see anyway. Yeah, short round. So if that's... Dude, that... When he whatever award it was that he won the other day, and like that speech, it was just so it, it was just so heartwarming. <laughs> I've I've really appreciated how much he seems to have appreciated everything that's been mm-hmm. going on since this movie came out, and even just getting back into acting in for real yeah. with that movie. So I hope that whether or not he wins that, uh, I hope that this spawns a renaissance for him in his career because he same, basically same. didn't act for like thirty years or whatever. I think I might have to elevate that to the top of my list, though, because I really want to make sure that I see that before. Yeah, I've really wanted to see it for a while. I just haven't gotten around to it. Same. It's just been other stuff that's taken priority. Is, is that streaming anywhere? I'm pretty sure. I th- is okay. it on Netflix, maybe? No, oh, that would be great. All right. You want to lead us into Actress in a Leading Role? Uh, actress in a Leading Role, Kate Blanchett for Tar. Shocker. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Perpetually. Oh, on sorry. The, oh, and Michelle Williams. For the Fablemans, yes. Um, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie. I've never heard of that person nor that movie. Anna de Armas for Blonde. And Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is streaming on Showtime. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I have not heard of Blonde. I feel like I've heard of Two Leslie, but I don't recall what it was. And I don't think I've heard of tar either or terror oh i've heard about tar it's she plays a conductor of like you know an orchestra but like in present day god i really wish you said that she plays the conductor of like you know a train (laughs) (laughs) it's bullet train so Uh, yeah no uh (laughs) no um but she is uh I've heard that she's great. I've heard that movie is kind of a tough watch. Uh, I've, mm. It's not probably what one would expect it to be about exactly, from what I know. But I don't want to okay. spoil it too much. Everyone should go into most of these movies as fresh as they can. Yeah. All right. Actress, We've got actress, actress in, the role. in the supporting role. We've got Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Did they? Did the movie ever? Did it always have Black Panther in front of the name of the movie? I thought it was just Wakanda Forever. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's always had Black Panther in front. Okay, anyway, Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow for The Whale. Wasn't uh, she just in the menu last week? Wasn't that her? Oh, I think so. <laughs> uh, 
Kerry Condon for the Banshees of Anna Sharon, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at One. There's so many people in this movie. (laughs) I did not know until I saw this that she was even in that. And Stephanie Sue. I I don't I apologize. I don't know how to how to pronounce the last name, but everything. I'm gonna assume that that's correct. Cool. Well, we definitely need to watch this movie to check all the boxes of how many different nominations it has. So, right, like at least we could root for somebody in all of these categories if we watch one singular movie, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. I mean, I definitely try and prioritize stuff like that where it's like, oh, yeah, it's nominated the, for 15 you, categories. You got to cast the wider the, net. Yeah, um, you know, definitely. I try to start that way and then move because, like, you know, something like to Leslie, which I've never heard of before, and has one nomination. Realistically, I'm probably not going to get to that one. But yeah. something like Everywhere, or, sorry, Everything Everywhere All at Once, that's nominated for a whole bunch of things, or like The Fablemans, which is nominated for a bunch of things. Those are Banshees of Inisherin. Like Those are things that I'm yeah. more likely to get to. Yeah, sure. Cool. Well, what do we got next? Animated feature film? Yes. Guillermo del Toro's sure. Pinocchio. Yeah. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Puss in Boots. Sure. Colon, the last wish. What? <laughs> what was that previous one? Marcel the shell with the shoes on? <laughs> yes, correct. I like that. It's about a shoe. I mean, sorry, it's about okay. a shell with shoes. Um, the Sea Beast and Turning Red, which is your uh, obligatory Disney Pixar. Sure. Puss in Boots, uh, I've heard really great things about. So I'm going to try to see that one before. This which happens. is shocking to me because like, I feel like Shrek has not been like a thing that's super relevant for like at least a decade. Sure. And for this to come out now and like actually be good is kind of surprising. I just love the ridiculousness of that character. It's pretty ridiculous. It's it's definitely a take. (laughs) For sure. For cinematography we have all quiet on the Western Front, James Friend. I've heard good things about that movie. Uh it is in German. It's a German movie. Uh Daniel Daniel Bruhl plays a fairly important role that's a that's a name i know who is that yeah he's been a lot of things that we've seen uh he was baron zemo in um the mc oh of course yep yep uh bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths yeah i don't know that one okay that was darius condigy we've got elvis mandy walker empire of light roger teakins and is it tar yes Tar. Florian Hoffmeister. Roger Deakins, is he the one that's worked with Nolan a lot? What, is it? what do I know? His the name, name sounds familiar. Right? But. I don't remember what I know that name, who I, why I know that name. Alright. Next up? Sorry, I'm looking at Roger Deakins. <laughs> he is best known for his work on films of the Coen brothers, Sam Mendes, and Denis Villeneuve. Oh, okay. I knew it was someone who had done like, a lot of big movies. Yeah. Um, Blade Runner 2049, Skyfall 1917. I think I knew him from 1917. That's what I, Anytime I think. I hear that's that. why I, I know. Okay, fair enough. Uh, costume design, Babylon, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. No, uh, nothing against the people actually nominated, but Al and I do not know this category very well and would not recognize any of the names. No. Um, I do appreciate that we have a Marcel the Shell with shoes on and also a Mrs. Harris goes to Paris in this. Year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
this year's Academy Awards is presented by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Amazing. All right. We've got directing up next. We've got the Banshees of Inna Sharon, Martin McDonough, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Daniel Kwan, and Daniel Shiner. We've got the Fablemans, Steven Spielberg, Tar, Todd Field, Triangles of Sadness, Ruben Ostlin. Triangle of Sadness. I don't like the I've, title of that at all. I've heard of this one, but I don't remember why or where. What is that movie? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's find out. Triangle of Sadness. A fashion model celebrity couple join an eventful cruise for the super rich. Oh, that's why I heard about it, because I, I read an article in which this was put up alongside of the menu for being a takedown of, like, super rich culture. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, documentary feature film. All, all that breathes. All the beauty and the bloodshed. Fire of love. A house made of splinters. Oh, that sounds terrifying. And... Navalny. 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 <laughs> Navalny. Naval New York. <laughs> <laughs> Naval NY. <laughs> We've got documentary short film, The Elephant Whisperers. <laughs> Haul out. How do you measure a year? The Martha Mitchell effect and Stranger at the Gate. I gotta be honest, I'm never big on the documentary categories. It just, I never make the time really to watch documentaries. Mm. I probably should more, and I don't. Same. Same. Film editing The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun, Maverick. Timing. Timing. International feature film. All Clyde on the Western Front, which I'm going to guess is going to do that thing where it wins because it's also nominated in other categories. Argentina 1985, Close, EO, and The Quiet Girl. I've heard of Argentina 1985, but that's the only other one in this category I've heard of. Hmm. Got makeup and hairstyle, All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman. There's some pretty good costumes in there. Black Panther Wakanda Forever, that should probably win. This is oh, the, oh the whale. Not costume. The whale. Yeah, that's probably going to win, right? Yeah. Uh, Although Elvis probably give it a run. It could. Music, original score. We've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, The Banshees, of Sharon, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and The Fablemans. This is just making me so excited for Flicks and a Whisk. Oh, yeah. Same. Music, original song. We have applause. Hold my hand. Lift me up. Wait, not hang to, on. Not to. Hang on a second. Yeah. Can we give the movies that they're from? Sure. <laughs> Applause from Tell It Like a Woman, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Natu Natu from RRRRR. I also want to see lo- that one. That's that Bollywood movie I think I'm going to mention. Oh, that's the one that you mentioned last yeah. week. Okay, cool. This is a life from everything, everywhere, all at once. And now, wait a minute. So I'm surprised this is next and then there's other stuff. Um. Oh, is it alphabetical? It is. Uh, best Picture. All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar, The Way of Water. The Banshees of Anna Sharon. Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The Fablemans. Tar, Top Gun Maverick. Triangle of Sadness. Women Talking. I am already concerned that Tar, just by your description of what the movie is, is this year's... Um, 
Power of the Dog. Like, is this, this going to be the movie that I'm like, why am I, why am I watching this? Probably. Okay. I'm going to save that one for the end. <laughs> Triangle of Sadness is, is, is Roma, Tar, and no, <laughs> it's, it's these three. <laughs> yes, the, uh, it's the Phantom Thread. It's the Power of the Dog and Roma. Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> yeah. I'm in a bad spot with this where I've only seen one of these movies, but I'll make some, I'll make some progress. Uh, product design. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar the Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and the Fableman. Short film, short film, sound, sound. Let's look at sound. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun. I feel like Top Gun Maverick is, I'm, well, maybe Avatar, I haven't seen that yet, but like Top Gun does a lot of stuff with sound design, so I feel like I feel Batman like, was pretty good too, but I feel like not as I feel good. like Sneaky, this will be the only thing that Elvis wins. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Visual effects, we've got all... Oh, I mean, it's got to be Avatar, right? The blue and green people look like blue and green people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope that's what they say when they give the award out. <laughs> it's actually when they <laughs> they do the nominees and they play clips of people talking about the movie. It's actually a clip of our show you say, with you saying that. <laughs> Anthony, they did it again. <laughs> all right, we've got writing, adapted screenplay, All Quiet on the Western Front. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. I'm very happy that that's getting a nomination. How is that adapted screenplay? What is that adapted? Huh. Also, what is Top Gun Maverick adapt? Now, yeah, now I'm confused. Now I'm confused about what this category is. All, All Quiet on the Western Front is adapting a famous book that has been made into sure. like three different movies. Um, I don't know what Living is. Um, is there something about it being a sequel that qualifies it for this category? I didn't think that that's how that worked, but maybe I didn't it think is. so either. But that, I mean, I can't imagine that. Well, maybe was Top Gun Maverick a book? Like not a, that I'm aware of. I mean, I know that what's his name, uh, Michael Mann, wrote a book that was Heat Two that he is intending to make into a movie, and so that movie, were it to be nominated, would be eligible for this category. But I am very confused by this. Huh. I'm sure we're just showing our ass on this, but like, yeah. Well, now, now I need to know what qualifies. You keep going. I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. Well, so the one thing I'll say is, if you look on this, Top Gun Maverick says screenplay by Aaron Kruger, Eric Warren Singer, and Chris McQuarrie. Story by Peter Craig and Justin Marks. If that one were to make the argument that these two guys came up with a story idea pitched it, and then the three of them wrote a movie based on that? Mm. Fair enough. But even that's a bit tenuous to me. And considering right. Ryan Johnson wrote and directed the original Knives Out, and then wrote and directed this, and doesn't give any story credit to anyone else, I'm a little confused by it. Not that I object to Ryan Johnson being nominated for anything. We liked the movie. I'm just confused. Like This doesn't seem to be eligible for this category based on our admittedly limited um, knowledge of how the Academy operates. All sequels are automatically considered adaptations. That's stupid. Academy Award for This is why people don't screenplay. like your Academy of Motion Picture <laughs> Sciences. All ad- adaptations must be based from another source. That's stupid. If it was previously produced or published in any form, it's considered an adaptation. Okay, so they, they just consider sequels to be ad- ad- adapted screenplays. Interesting. I'm going to give an hourly stupid on this show. Yeah. That's annoying. That's annoying. Anyway, writing for original screenplay, 
the Banshees of Inisharan, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. That's the entire list. That's all of the things that are nominated. Well, we did skip over two categories, but we were just trying to make short, short film stuff. <laughs> um, so not, nothing. Hey, to be clear, nothing against them. It's just not of interest to us, and this show is all about our interests. <laughs> yes. Um, this is Sunday, March twelfth. So I'll if, see you then, or I will see you on another time. Yes, we will gather. I'll take the thirteenth off. We will order a chimichanga or a burrito or whatever from that place. What a honey, I'm um, in the mood for a chimichanga <laughs> from that place you're talking about. Loving, yep. what, like, and being way better than it has any right to be when it's delivered. Um, yep. We'll have to plan working backwards from that when we're going to record flicks and a whisk because that gives us basically. What, like six weeks to do that? I mean, clearly, we'll just record it that following Wednesday. <laughs> well, no, usually Flicks and a Whisk is our pre-show. Oh, that's right. I mean, I think I mean, we could do it the other way, but typically it's it's tended to be our pre Is it really? Show. For whatever reason, I thought Flicks and a Whisk was its own thing. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Pre-Oscar it, show. It's yes, usually it like... It's usually we what we think is going to happen slash what we would gotcha, do. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think we could, we should probably do it. We, our goal should be to do it the Wednesday before the Oscars and release it the Friday before the Oscars. Which will be the Tuesday after the Oscars. <laughs> it's going to be a tight deadline, <laughs> tight turnaround time for me, but I'm going to make it happen. I'll make it happen. We'll get it out there. Flicks and a whisk. This time, we have enough time to plan it out now. We should try to get the same whiskey. <laughs> We should try to get the same whiskey. We should also try to see most of the movies. Yes, two things that we always <laughs> say we're going to do and rarely do. I mean, we could we can kill two birds with one stone. We could see a bunch of these movies and then have the next few weeks of movies lined up. <laughs> no, no, you're making things too complicated. <laughs> okay, I'm saying it right now. Let's just fucking do everything everywhere all at once next week unless you see Avatar. Done. And then we'll do that. Either way, we're killing the birds. So many birds. That so just many a, birds. a flock of birds will be dead at our feet. Just as many stones. Sorry, half the stones will be at our feet. <laughs> but you know what? Al, I watched everything everywhere all at once. I saw no blue and green people. Anthony, you watched the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> also, there was triangles? I don't know. <laughs> it was very sad. <laughs> also, the screen uh, looked like it was smudged in tar. I don't get it. <laughs> I feel like we just wrote the... Uh, the intro for the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, who's hosting it this year? I don't know. No Let's find again? out. Is I it going to have a host? Or are they going to pretend that they don't need one, which is false? <sighs> that Who was is not great that time. The Oscars 2023. Jimmy Kimmel's back. Really? I'll take that. <sighs> That's sure, provided that not? the Google search actually yielded the appropriate result, like, immediately. The 95th Academy Awards hosted by Jimmy Kimmel will air on March 12th. Sweet. I like Jimmy Kimmel. He's funny. I say that. I feel like you can't actually say that out loud about anybody famous because you're bound to then something terrible to happen. Please don't. I mean, Please don't do this to us, Jimmy. If, if, Please he hasn't, don't. if he hasn't been canceled yet for the man show, which has existed. Sure. That's a good point. Zeitgeist for the last 20 years. Like, yeah. it's been right there if anyone wants to cancel him. So That's fair. That's fair. All right. Sweet. Uh, let us get into some consumption. What are you consuming? <laughs> um... Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed that prompt. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, I have been consuming at a slightly more accelerated rate from what it had been because that rate was pretty damn slow. Uh, for All Mankind, watched a few oh, episodes nice. across the last week or so. Um, still really enjoying that show. I think I can officially recommend if you and Kim are looking for a show to watch. I think you guys, there's no reason why the two of you couldn't enjoy that show together. It's a, it's a cool show, cool story idea. Um, cool. It's a nice big ensemble cast. Uh, it's got that guy I don't like. Well, I was just going to get that guy I'm not a huge fan of, and he's been relatively inoffensive to me in this show. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name. So Joel Kinnaman? That's the one. I like his face. Yeah, that's part of it. I don't. He, Sorry. He's always kind of annoyed me as well, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm almost done with the you first You know what it is? He played, I feel like his first introduction, he played an asshole for me, and like... But I also didn't like him, so like it just kind of compounded it. Like I feel like I probably dislike him more than I should. I mean, his face is definitely part of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I the first couple of roles, I wasn't a big fan of him. I didn't think much of his acting. Uh, he has offended me less as time gone on. I still don't think he's a great actor, but I think he's fine. Um, okay. I started to turn for me where I actually enjoyed him in the first season of Altered Carbon. That was the first time mm. where I was like. Okay, I don't want to punch your face quite so much. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Sweet. And so, but you recommend, is that you're done with the first season? I'm sorry. I, I think I'm on the, I'm like halfway through the second to last episode of the first season, so. Okay, and there's two? Uh, there are three seasons. The third season oh, wow. aired in 2022. Wow, very cool. All right. Sweet, so it's been going strong. Um, you had mentioned that you've been watching, You, I guess you played a lot of catch-up, you watched a bunch of bunch of it i did something very similar the other night i watched the four remaining episodes that i had of rings of power in a row Mm. yes you mentioned that to me yeah but that was i think you mentioned it last week on the show i don't think so or maybe it was when we because i had i I watched two at that point and then i watched the remaining four because i also in that same night i also watched most of maverick oh okay so it was a that's a quite lot a bit of, of consumption. <laughs> it was. It was. It was gluttonous. It was. It was a lot. So you uh, finished Rings of Power? I finished it, and I loved it. I yeah. thought it was so good. It was so I, good. I really enjoyed it. Here, I have to ask a question about the show that is a spoiler. Guys, spoilers for Rings of Power. It's been out for like six months. Yeah. Okay. So skip ahead a couple minutes if if you're really really that uh, if you don't want anything. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Spoilers mm-hmm. for Rings of Power. Was it supposed to be a bigger reveal that he was Sauron? Well, the way that it was, the way that the show was done, I thought pitted it as either the Wanderer or him was Sauron. I always assumed it was going to play out where the Wanderer was Gandalf and he was Sauron, but right. um, you certainly could go back and forth. They. Okay. Put those two things, and actually, to be fair, there was really a third candidate as well. Um, uh, Joseph Maul's character also could have been Sauron. Who who was that? He was that half elf, half orc guy who was the leader of the orcs. Oh, right, 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 right. Of course. So they um, did. It wasn't. It really wasn't a mystery box in that way, but they did it enough where if you weren't, if you didn't actually have a deep knowledge of Lord of the Rings, that maybe it would keep you guessing for a little while. So I then in that case, I had a minor 
mishearing of what somebody said at one point. Okay. Where I thought that was the reveal, that it was him, long before they actually revealed who was Sauron. So when he's in that town, uh, which I can't remember the name of anything, Lord of the Rings. When the the island on Numenor? Yeah, Numenor. When he steals the, 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 the guild badge. Mm-hmm. And he's walking down. He's flipping it like a coin, and a couple of guys surround him, and they were like, "Like, who are you?" And he says something along the lines of, "He kind of like says it really quick before he attacks them." He's like, "I'm," and then he says a word that sounds like one of the names that they said Sauron goes by many names. And I was like, "Oh, cool reveal!" And then it wasn't actually a reveal. And I was like, "But the whole time, I'm like, wait, didn't he say that he was that guy?" <laughs> Uh, I don't remember what he said then, so I'd have to. So I must have just again. misheard something that led me to believe that it was him. And when the reveal ha- came, I was like, "Yeah, wait, I I knew this already, though, right? Like that was I was supposed to know this already." Well, <laughs> sure, but also it's meant to be a reveal for Galadriel because she sure shit didn't know. She didn't know. She, didn't. but that was really uh, spoilers over. That was really good. I had a lot of fun with it. Each episode was entertaining. I think the uh, it only comes to a screeching halt anytime Theo's on the screen. Absolute trash. Just a garbage <laughs> you, you character. You sent me a screenshot <laughs> of the IMDB, and you circled him and said, garbage actor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, look, I'm all for you. The, pro- the for problem it. is it's a garbage character. And it's a garbage acting, character. The acting doesn't... It, like, it's kind of like, like... Hayden Christensen's not a good actor, but mm-hmm. he isn't... Like the acting equivalent of cancer, right. but he's a terribly like Anakin Skywalker as a teenager is a pretty horrendously written character. Yeah, with poor direction and a mediocre actor, so it makes Hayden Christian look like a terrible actor. Yeah, it didn't do him any favors. I suspect there's an element of this here. I do think he's even less of an actor than Hayden Christensen is, but. You're meant to be pissed off by that character, and they succeed, yeah. but just probably for the wrong reasons. Yeah. It's just like, when we were like, oh, we're going to go off on a little tangent with you and Gladriel, I'm like, can we not, though? Can we just, can anybody else be here instead? <laughs> anybody else? Anybody? One of the orcs. Anybody. One of the orcs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was, uh, but it was, it was really good. I mean, I also, also thought there was a lot of great sh- characters. Should he have <laughs> <laughs> you know, he didn't. He actually didn't bother me so much. Well, in comparison to Theo, yeah, he's not that bad. But on the like the Numenor only episodes, or where yeah. like Theo wasn't on screen at all in an episode, he's by far the worst character. Also, like, what is so? There's a lot of smoldering that goes on in this like show. Looks? Yeah, not just not not just the 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 lava, but the looks. Like we've got we've got smoldering elf. <laughs> right, and then wait. Sorry, we've got who, who exactly is smoldering elf? The two hundred year old one that's been stationed <laughs> in the town. In the... So we've transitioned from the wandering earth to the smoldering elf. <laughs> smoldering elf. Well, I, in I addition to Mrs. Is... Harris goes to Paris, and Marcel the shell with shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he he was a great character, and I don't know his name. Um, Aaron Deer? Sure. I really liked him. Um, I feel like there was so much story behind his eyes that slowly comes through, even if they don't tell you all of it. 
Well, they don't let him speak very often, so it'd have to come through his eyes, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, we have him. We have got him smoldering. Then we have uh, Shitty Asildor's father <laughs> smoldering, which, like, I feel like he's doing his Elendiel. best. His name's Elendiel. <laughs> I feel. Well, Elendil is a fairly important character as well, like, in the lore. Like, he's the one who dies, and then Isildur cuts Sauron's ring. Like, that that's yeah. Elendil. Okay. He is an important character. But so I feel we should, like we should, he, we should endeavor to know his name. He's doing uh, a performance that's very evocative of Jesus of Nazareth. Like, I feel like there's little to no blinking. No, he just looks like Jesus of Nazareth. But the, <laughs> It's not just the look, though. It's the I feel like it's the lack of blinking. You know that whole thing, right? Where he didn't blink for there's no there. He's not blinking the entire movie. In which one? Jesus of Nazareth. I don't know if I saw that one. Okay, doesn't blink. Who's who's Jesus of Nazareth? Fourteen hour Jesus? long movie doesn't blink. <laughs> who, who is Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth not, in Jesus of Nazareth. Let me. Find is that out. one of those old like Cecil B. DeMille esque movies? Uh, yeah. Uh, Jesus. Is that Peter O'Toole? Nazareth. Or Charlton Heston. Hang on. Charlton Heston? It is Robert Powell. Robert Powell. Okay. It was four episodes, but it's uh, it's a TV miniseries. It's six it? hours and 22 minutes. When did it come out? Six hours and 22 minutes. Came out in 1977. He doesn't blink. Who made it? The Lord. <laughs> um, wow. Who made it? Where are we? Top cast. Sometimes, you know how bad... Why am I so bad at this? Writer. Episodes, videos, photos, top cast, more like this storyline. Did you know why? Like, do I have to go into episodes? Maybe is that the sound? I mean, I, don't think I have to. You're gonna make me help you out on this, aren't you? I just don't understand why I have such a hard time with IMDb sometimes. I just feel like the, it's not laid out, and there's like a shit ton of ads and stuff that makes. I it also more don't difficult. know why you have such a hard time with this. I'm gonna go to individual. Oh, episodes. Lawrence Olivier was in it. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking okay. of. Director Franco Zeffirelli. Oh, nice. Wait, a young Ian two. McShane played Judas Iscariot in this? Yeah. This had a fantastic cast. Lawrence Olivier, Robert Powell was Jesus, James, James Mason. James Earl Jones with the Balthazar. Ernest Borgnine. James Earl Jones. Huh. Stacey Keach. Wow. Christopher Plummer. King Harry. Wow. This is an all-star cast. No, I didn't know about the thing about him not blinking, though. To get back to yeah, it's like a it's a thing. So that was one of the weirdest tangents we've ever taken. Anyway, um, so Isildur's dad, Jesus of Nazareth, doesn't blink the entire <laughs> the entire eight episodes of. Well, it must just be a Numenorean thing because after a certain point, the queen doesn't blink either. That's true. That's spoilers. Rough. Spoilers. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's just there's a. When, how long until we clear the smoke? You jerking my chain? That's what, that's very much what it looks like. <laughs> that sigh. It was like disgust. Anyway, it was but really good. Really I enjoyed the, it. The strength of the show was by far the relationship between Elrond and Durin. Would, I would watch a, a buddy, seasons. A buddy show of the two of, of that show. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, what an arc. Yeah, the, the character has. What is Torin, son of Torin, son Dur of yeah, Durin, 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 Durin. He's Durin four, right? I think so. <laughs> really, That's I mean, great. he really stood out. I mean, he got a couple of big emotional moments, but that first time they actually sit down and have a heart to heart. Yeah, he says, "Miss my entire life. You're my fr you're my friend." 
mm-hmm. and you miss my entire life because oh you guys don't tell time so well like <laughs> fuck you man yeah uh that's so good but you know what i love that like the way that they did it with like so elrond and doran and like that whole relationship the struggle there like you know because of mis- kind of a misunderstanding with the uh, the time <laughs> which is what you but then like to bring doran's wife into the fold and like them to become acquainted to like Elrond and her to become acquainted as well. And like the friendship to grow strong. Like it was just, it was so charming. The whole thing was so charming. And like, I, I just thought they did an incredible job and the acting was, was stand out with, with those characters. Yeah. And Galadriel. Yeah. They all act like all the, all the people that like need to carry a lot of weight, like did a tremendous job. The less said about the Harfoot, storylines overall the better i yeah i understand what they're going for and certainly it has its own import on the story and introducing yeah. the wanderer and and trying to reflect again the idea of historically even back to the books and then obviously through the movies that the viewers engage with the story through the eyes of whether it be the hobbits or the harfoots there's yeah. a true element to all that but Especially early on in the show, it's so unbalanced how much screen time they, they get with so little impact. It is, um, yeah. That is unquestionably a detriment. Not to say there's nothing good that comes out of that storyline and, and those performances and characterization and all that. Like, there is good. Just it wasn't quite, the juice wasn't quite worth the squeeze on yeah. what they gave us with all of that. But uh, that whole sequence the final episode was really strong, I thought, with mm. them, so. I agree. You're looking forward to uh, however much more of this they do. I mean, they're planned five seasons. They're certainly going to do a second. Yeah. Um, we'll I just see. hope that they are able to, whatever they do, I hope that they, they finish out their story versus get that, I don't know, shelved at some point. I appreciate, intellectually, the sunk cost fallacy. I don't think this is one that applies. Um, I would like to see them get at least three seasons. I think even if they decide, okay, well, maybe five was too much. Yeah, There's a story that you can effectively execute in three seasons, I think, within this. Sure. And, um, by all accounts, I know there was a lot of speculation because it took Amazon so long to announce what the viewership numbers were, but when they finally did, they were really strong, so... It's been too quiet for too long, though. Like, I feel like I have heard nothing. Well, it was really quiet for a while, and then they finally were like, yeah, this is like pretty much the most watched thing we've ever had. So mm. it's just like and the it- production is going to take so long. Like, we're not getting the next season this year. I, I guess there's even a chance we don't get it next year, but I would suspect it'll be out uh, like quarter three, quarter four of 2024. Uh, likely be released in 2024. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I will look forward to that. What else are you watching or consuming? Um, I had another lovely weekend of playoff football. Got to hang out with a couple of my buddies, watch games on Saturday. Um, missed one of the games Sunday for um, baptism. I mentioned a few weeks ago, my uh, my new godson, Rowan. He's a, he's a cute little nice. lad. Congrats. He's got a very round face, very chubby cheeks. Uh, <laughs> so that was cool that was a fun day and uh yeah but still like the, the three games i got to see generally a good time so awesome fortunately it's, it's one of those things where it's like oh 
this is the best of the best of the football, but it also signals that there is very little football left for um, like eight months after this. So, sure. Bittersweet. Sure. I, uh, I think I had mentioned last week we started watching Abbott Elementary. Mm-hmm. And we finished the first season. Uh, we were watching it on HBO. I had no idea where the show actually aired. I thought it was just an HBO show because I was watching it there. It is not. Isn't it like a- NBC? Or I think ABC? it's ABC. Uh, because it turns out there is an entire second season <laughs> that was also available, which we yeah. watched all of. Uh, it's not all of it, though. It looks like it might be like a split season type thing. Oh, was it? I back. didn't know about that. Yeah, well, we finished it, and it was like, that didn't really feel like a season finale. And then it was like, uh, the next episode is like somewhere in February. So it was like, oh, okay, so it's not really over. over. But Laugh Out Loud, fun, like really, just really good. It's just very, it's like very light. It's very entertaining. It's 30, 30, it's 30 minutes. It, it's got very wonderful Parks and Rec vibes, as we talked about last week. Like, it's exactly like I needed a show like that. And I haven't had one in a minute that I hadn't seen already of the, the rewatches of shows like that that I did. Yeah. But like, it was, it was, we, Kim and I are constantly laughing out loud at this one. And it's, it's very good. I think you would. Um, All right. What else are you consuming? What do you got? Um, Back to you. The only other thing I have is I finally got to get a couple of really good listening days to Foundation's Edge, the book oh. that I'm on in the series, second to last in the series. Really good. I think so far, I've probably around 40% of the way through it. I would say this has probably been my favorite one so far since the first one, chronologically, the the first prequel. Um, I've really, really enjoyed this one. It's cool. The way it's taking, the way it's taking place is basically they alter, they've been alternating chapters between a couple of main characters. One or It's basically centralized around one main character who has at least one or two people in their orbit um, on these two different factions that maybe they're against each other. Maybe they ultimately have the same goals and don't know it yet. It's going to wait to see how that all plays out. But uh, I've really, I've really appreciated how this one has unfolded so far. And nice. uh, a lot of what they've got, out. even though a lot of it is just a couple of people, one or two or three or five people talking Mm-hmm. Um, it's still pretty damn entertaining and in, in game. I'm, I'm a sucker for good dialogue, so yeah, that's all which cool. ultimately like is what a lot of like the best books are. Like you're gonna get some like yeah. prosy like background on stuff or lore or describing uh, environment or a setting, but then you get some really hardcore dialogue between everyone, and if yeah. you get a little pocket of action here and there. That's great too. But great dialogue. It's always a good way to go. Nice. I uh, on the reading front, I wait. Are you doing it again? Yeah, (laughs) I've been making slow but steady progress. So I picked back up Ashes of the Sun, which I think I had mentioned a while back. For whatever reason, I have been able to go on lengthy hiatuses between reading it and pick back up and feel like I haven't put it down because I've I've been thinking about where I left off with it. Like ever since I put it down, because it is it's been very engaging. Is that the one about like the fantasy setting brother and sister situation? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's very good. I'm really, really enjoying it. It's like so clearly, I like there's like these two storylines. Uh, the chapters hand off back and forth between the brother and the sister storyline, and it's like it's so clear that they're on this collision course towards each other, and like I don't know what that's gonna be like 
when we get there because it's been so many years but since they've been in contact with each other so like I, it's i'm really curious to see where it goes it's it's very it's fun it's like exciting it's just great settings like great descriptions the characters are enjoyable um it's pacing wise it's it's kept my interest which says a lot i feel like so i was i'm happy with that but the my pattern has been all right i'm gonna try to read a little bit of this go into bed a little bit earlier sit down put my light on read until i can't really read anymore hopefully get to a decent stopping point close the book generally find that i'm not quite ready to fall asleep but i don't want to do something mm-hmm. then i put the headphones in and i continue fellowship of the ring oh okay so um granted the dreams that i've been having very bizarre <laughs> also <laughs> crossover all, events <laughs> all narrated by andy circus for some reason that's right oh of course <laughs> actually gollum <laughs> oh. <laughs> but uh both both of those obviously very very enjoyable it's been a very 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 long time since i've read the lord of the rings mm-hmm. and um like so much so that it's like it, like i i remember in great detail the movies far more and like understandable and you know obviously they're phenomenal adaptations so like i find myself just picturing scenes from the movie as I'm going through <laughs> the book, but I'm okay with that too. Cause it's like, I'm also like ready to watch them again. So me too. I've been thinking about it and I just, they're definitely not going to get to it till football season is over. So it's going to be a while. It's, gonna be, it's been good. And then of course we've both been watching the last of us, but we'll get to that. after. We'll, we'll get to the last word on the last of us for sure. I have one more thing for consumption. Okay. Chicken thighs. It's a good thing to consume. So earlier today, we had a wonderful dinner. I ate far too much. Um, but Same. I pan fried chicken thighs in some light seasoning in butter. Mm-hmm. High heat, five minutes, one side down. Flip them over, lower the heat, cook them till they're done. Okay. They remained, they were crispy on the outside. They were tremendously juicy on the inside. That's the way to do it. Put them aside. Baking the chicken, honestly, the if, you don't, if you don't really marinate it, baking chicken. Is the easiest way to do it. It's also mm-hmm. definitively the worst way to do it. Yep. Yep. Don't bake it. Not worth it. Eat something else. Um, but made a, made a gravy after the drippings. Delicious. Had some frozen portions of stuffing from Thanksgiving or Christmas Ooh. or something. So defrosted those. Okay. Little little garlic steamed broccoli. Nice. Dude. Garlic steamed, not sauteed? No, steamed. Okay. So, well, actually, pressure. Oh, yeah, uh, because it's fast and it was the broccoli was frozen and I didn't have the time to thaw it. So I throw it in there, put the seasonings on it, put the pressure cooker on for two minutes and they're done. And it's like it's a little bit on. the It's definitely on the softer side, which I don't mind with broccoli. Actually, And like when all of this came together as this big, just honking mush, it was so good. <laughs> Ate way too much of that. Anyway, that was the actual consumption. Because I like to kind of. Steam, remove, saute, garlic, and hot pepper. Throw oh, it yeah. back in, toss it up, give it a quick sear, serve it that way. To me, yeah, that's, that's the optimal gar- uh, op- optimal broccoli delivery system. That's excellent. That'll be, uh, it's far more steps than I was looking for today. But the other option is I do like a, doing all of those toppings, but just a straight up roast. Mm. of the broccoli delicious as well um 
when you're in a pinch, though, that pressure cooker, man, love it. Love it. Like you look at the little, little grid. I've got a little a little fold-out cardboard thing. It tells you how, how long it takes to cook something. The highest it's ever going to say is like four minutes, and it's just <laughs> wonderful. It's like, this is this is what I need. It kind of reminds me of the fifth element when she puts the little pill in the microwave and goes, chicken, and a whole roast comes out. <laughs> Wait, no, not even a pill. Doesn't she? She literally grabs like a little bottle of seasoning and shakes it into a bowl. It like comes that. out as a whole roast chicken. Uh, <laughs> it's the future. That's the future. Uh, I'm Lee, done Lee with multi-pass. <laughs> he knows it's a multi-pass. Uh, Do you have anything I else? I am done with consumption. Well, with that, I believe it's time for our flip of the week. Top Gun Maverick, released in 2022, rated PG-13 with a two-hour and ten-minute runtime. After 30 years, Maverick is still pushing the envelope as a top naval aviator but must confront ghosts of his past when he leads Top Gun's elite graduates on a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice from those chosen to fly it. Yeah. Yeah. Demands the ultimate... It's a little misleading. Requests the ultimate sacrifice. (laughs) May high likelihood that it is (laughs) demanding the ultimate sacrifice. Also, I like the idea of doing another Top Gun 30 years from now. And um, having the um, the synopsis be thirty years after, thirty years after he was <laughs> continuing <laughs> to push the envelope, he's now pushing up daisies. But his son oh and, <laughs> and his godson <laughs> take up his mantle. But uh, it also it still has to start with the same exact title card, like the the explanation of what Top Gun is. Just just for those just for those who want to know. <laughs> so. The funny thing was, I, I, this is, I watched it a second time. I saw it in theaters during the summers, obviously several months ago. Um, and the other day, someone had, it must have been because like everyone, well, everyone, there was a higher degree of people talking about the movie again online because it's just fairly recently been put back on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. And I saw someone say, oh, I really appreciate how this title card is very similar to the way that the Mass Effect games start. So when I was watching this, it was... I saw the title card, and I remember it because it's the second time I've seen the movie. I think um, I needed to see it again after the first several months of seeing it in the theater. And when I... Sure. I had seen something the other day online mentioning it as well, and I think it's just because everyone's seeing it on... It's newly on Paramount+. And someone said, hey, I really appreciate how this look, the title card leading into this movie looks the same, basically the similar concept to how the title card leading into the Mass Effect games was. And one of the writers or directors from the, uh, the Mass Effect games said, I think you're the first person that I personally have seen make this connection. That was deliberate. We were actively <laughs> doing an homage to those. Or we were doing we, a like, Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, or like we, like we really liked that from having seen it in Top Gun, whether or not we were like att- intentionally doing a mod, we're like, ooh, we liked how that did it. Let's do that to all yeah. of our games. So I thought that was kind of funny that it's That's been awesome. all these years since those games came out and I've followed a bunch of the people who've been involved with the making of those games for a long time. I've never heard anyone say that. I guess to me, I just assumed there, like, there, there have been other movies that have done some version of a title card, but 
even the way it's delivered where it's like kind of like it punches it in like rows has a little bit of music going and it kind of crescendos into it as it goes and like and specifically ends with like the fact that like you know in the way that the mass effect title card goes it's like you know the the people of the the, the galaxy have made use of the special properties of element zero most people call this the mass effect and then it does title card mass effect and then you know plays into what's going to happen like literally plays into same thing with this most people refer to this as top gun and then you get the music <laughs> at its top gun right like that yeah. like the beats of all of that being so similar and that that was intentional i think that is really cool and to hear them say that you know with a nod of appreciation i enjoyed as a little anecdote yeah that's awesome i like i like that uh, why don't you uh, hit us with your hot take? An old school action movie with a new coat of paint, a fun time, and exactly what the movie theater was made for. 7.5 out of 10. Nice. A wonderfully executed requel that tells its own well-structured story and pays homage to its origin, all while elevating its predecessor in the process. Ada. Okay. I really, really enjoyed my time with the movie. I thought it was great. This was, and to your point of like, this is a, this is a movie theater movie. Like, I definitely... I set myself up right down here in the dark, like volume up, surround sound tuned, movie on, really got into it. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just so much fun. And look, I've talked about this before. I don't know. Did we, did we do the original Top Gun a ways back? I don't even remember. No, because I've never seen it start to finish. Okay. So like, it made me, this movie made me like weirdly nostalgic for a movie that I'm, I don't actually have any nostalgia for. Like it's like Top Gun is not very good. It's fun, but it's not a good movie. You don't enjoy this playing with boys? This one's a good movie. <laughs> What'd you say? I said you don't enjoy playing with the boys? <laughs> playing with the boys. Uh, this one is is good. But, like, funny enough, it needs the groundwork laid by the first one to be as good as it is. I, you know, I I have seen enough of the first one to get, like, a gist of what it's all about. And, like, yeah. yeah. Like, this takes all that. It's like, okay, like, we like this part of it. We like that part of it. That was too ridiculous. Maybe there isn't actually a plot to this movie. Let's at least give a tacit nod to the fact that plot is required, even if it's not going to be yeah. a brilliant and ingenious plot. There needs to be some inciting incident yeah. that leads to an arc for the story. You know, plot writing 101 shit, maybe even remedial plot writing, um, yeah. is required to have a movie. But let's just mostly have a bunch of people doing cool shit. Maybe we'll have a smidge of character development. We're going to play some cool music. We're going to fly some fighter planes, zoom, zoom, pew, pew, all that yeah. fun shit. And it's like, yeah, okay. You can, you can make yeah, a movie it, that way. In the, in the, the first one, like it's, <clears throat> it's cheesy, but not intentionally. I feel like, whereas like this one, like it's going to do some, hit some of the same beats and do some of the same cheesy, like definitely like, very macho nonsense. However, there is a very clear wink and a nod. It's not. It's not taking itself as serious, like like as seriously in those moments. Yet at the same time, it has a much more interesting and grounded story to tell. Like within all of that stuff going on, I gotta say, going into the movie, I actually didn't know what it was going to be about at all. I didn't look. I haven't. I hadn't really watched anything. I saw the teaser trailer. I think I don't even think I've seen like an actual full on trailer for the movie. Well, there was forty seven different trailers because. They released the teaser before the pandemic, and the pandemic mm-hmm. pushed this way back. Yeah. It's like, actually, but, it was funny. I remember reading a story, 
I think I may even talked about it on the show how, like, I think they did a story in The Ringer, like, guys, do you remember the teaser trailer and, like, <laughs> the associated stuff with, I think it was the NFL playoffs in mm. 2020, which was right before yeah. the Super Bowl happened and then the world ended, like, three weeks later? Yeah. So, like, the world was almost kind of normal, at least in America at that time, and they were like, hey... This thing isn't actually going to come out quite yet, but like it's coming soon, and we're going to have Tom Cruise do some weird cross promotional shit for his movie and the NFL playoffs, and then the movie came out like two plus years after that. That's crazy. <laughs> that's so that's so wild. But what a weird time. Yeah, very bizarre time. But some, uh, some yeah. are saying that. But ultimately, the the storyline revolving around almost like this. Uh, you know, kind of coming to grips with something that happened, letting go of the past a bit, like facing the fear. I feel like that Mavericks had this whole time about kind of being face to face with Goose's son. I didn't know they were going this route with Goose's son. I had no idea. I didn't even know the character names before going in. So it was oh. really fun to go in blind. And I was like, oh, I like what we're doing here. And I was like, my goodness, you look like you could be his son. Like that was <laughs> like. What like, gave it away? The mustache and the shape was, of his well, head? all of it all of it (laughs) but uh it was it was i don't know it was it was fun to watch it was like i it's so i feel like it would be so easy to dislike tom cruise but he gets me every time with these movies like he's very he's a very convincing actor and i like he has some of his (laughs) mannerisms that come through in all of his performances that are a little bit they're like just too tom cruisey uh (laughs) one of which being the way he runs or the like, fact that it, he runs, because we got it, these it, two incidences of it. And we it, they waited a long time to show the first one. And the first one was we're playing well, it's certainly not football, but it's something that involves footballs. Um yeah. I also remember reading an article around the time the the game the movie came out, like shortly after the movie came out, like trying to figure out what exactly the rules are <laughs> because there's no identifiable well, version of football that exists because uh, there's two <laughs> balls team building <laughs> used to play and both teams are both on offense and defense at the same time, which is not possible. <laughs> so um, there's that. But you're yeah. over here playing regular chess. They're playing 4D chess, dude. Yeah, you just don't playing, get it. That's all it is. <laughs> they're playing 4D football soccer. Football. Um, <laughs> is that just what rugby is? I don't know. <laughs> no, because there's still only one ball. I, I know. I know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, him just getting a chance to run shirtless on the beach, um, with his doing weird, a Terminator T one thousand hands. I re- well, I, I think I remember in Family Guy, Stewie made fun of him by calling it a weird pumpy armed run mm. because he pumps his arms too much, too much, and he also he he's too vertical. Yes, he's just way too vertical. And then we he, get to see him do it again later in the snap. He runs chest first. But he pumps his arms too much. So much. So, uh, speaking of random weird things that happen in this movie, is there anything more? I'm a man working on an engine than somebody using a socket wrench for way too long. Someone using a way too long socket wrench for way too long. <laughs> for way too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. That, the socket on that wrench was so long. <laughs> Granted, like I get it, like having the long the long socket wrench can come in hand, like when you need it, it's invaluable. But he but wasn't like, using it for that thing. He, 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 he had he full wasn't. access he to wasn't. the pedal he was working in with his entirely too long socket he wrench. Did. You use that when you I have just, to reach past something, and you can't, like you know, if he was reaching, you know, 
under and pass it around like the engine or something because he can't get down there and he had to use the no he's just holding it and doing it if he didn't have that attachment it would be so much easier for him to do what he was trying to do i think the best part about it is that bolt that he was tightening in the beginning of the movie he's still tightening at the end of the movie (laughs) needs to take a breather and needs uh needs rooster to finish it for him gooster Gooster. <laughs> Goose and Rooster. One person. Gooster. Gooster. <laughs> Talk to me, Gooster. <laughs> uh, uh, it was... I like the, uh, the whole reboot sequel thing of, like, we need you to know that he pushes the envelope and all this stuff, and, like, we're going to have him fly this absurd plane. He's going to get it off the ground even though he's not supposed to. He's going to go 10, and we're going to do the classic, you son of a bitch, when he goes 10.1. <laughs> um, yeah, push, pushing the envelope. You're not supposed to do this at all, but you were supposed to do Mach 9, and you're going to do Mach 10 plus. Yeah. I also like the idea that the it exploded, and he was the spaceman in some foreign town. Just <laughs> water. <laughs> he walks into the diner. Sugar, sugar in water. And water. <laughs> I did get a genuine uh, chuckle out of "Where am I?" Earth. <laughs> Earth. Pretty great. Classic. Classic. Classic fighter like movie where a plane goes down somewhere. I feel like it's a very similar thing happens in like seventeen hundred other movies, but it doesn't get old. No, I like to. I like to believe that they directly uh, did an homage to the scene in Rat Race when they get the rocket car. <laughs> Yeah, we what, came in a rocket car. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Uh, so one of the th- one I want to give a shout out to Jennifer Connelly's character specifically because I'm watching the movie and I'm like, I know this character. No, but she wasn't in. She wasn't in the first movie. How could I possibly know this character? Because the writing of the character and the performance were so good. <laughs> like, they were, I am, I I fit in this universe. I was here the whole time. And pulled it off, like, to the point where I was like, am I missing something? Like, was this, ca- was this character played by somebody else? Like, why does it feel, and then sure enough, I Google it, and it's like 17 articles about how she fits perfectly in the universe, but wasn't there. <laughs> She was the she was the fourth beetle that no one knew existed, but now misses that they were gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I was well. It also, I mean, like it to build the, that storyline was pretty great too. It also got the great movie trope of this is a sequel that's taken place way too long past the original for there to be an actual sequel, and we're gonna have a bunch of loving homages to the original one. And we're going to treat this like it's a loving homage, but actually we're going to exposition dump at you to explain how it wasn't actually an homage because this character wasn't (laughs) in that movie. But we're going to act like she was and that you should feel just the same natural warm glow of all the other things because she definitely totally was in this world, even though she definitely Right. What's funny is that you remove that storyline and the movie is exactly the same, but it fits so well. That really, it really doesn't add anything. The story that they they set out to tell. It's mostly a plot device to get him to reflect and be a better mentor to Rooster and get past his own fears. Sure. Well, because the actual 
evolution of his relationship with Rooster and getting past the guilt of killing his father mm-hmm. would have rung a bit hollow without those conversations about it with her, which is only like 30% of the screen time. So yeah, but I feel like those conversations, I feel like we could have had that with Honda. He also had it. He also had a wonderful relationship with Honda. <laughs> uh, yeah. They should, they so. could have been more of that too. Yeah. I'm just saying like they didn't need to do it, but they did it and it worked and it was cool. It definitely, it added runtime, which I was fine with. It's like not, it wasn't, it didn't slow down at all. It was just like, it's just really funny to me. Like if you, like you could trim the movie down probably like by cutting that entirely out and filling in those plot points with another character would have worked too. But like this made it feel like the original movie. There was one thing that we got out of this other storyline with this character. And it was when I saw this movie in the theaters with my parents, it was with my parents and my brother the other night. Um, my, my family wanted to watch something and they're like, Oh, let's watch Top Gun. I was like, Oh, actually this is, perfect because this is what we want to do i don't have to find a way to like squeeze this in across the week because i'm probably <laughs> just gonna sit down and watch this movie at any other time and so it was my me and my parents and my sister watching at this time and what we got out of this storyline was my sister going oh, tom cruise we do not need you in a sex scene right now <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great god bless you jonah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Miles Teller is a good actor. Sure. I like him in most things that I've seen him in. He's also, he's always, he plays a very convincing, brooding character. <laughs> he seems like he's got some stuff going on all the time. <laughs> Haunted past? <laughs> Haunted past. Uh, the hangman oh, sorry, what was, is a dick, sorry, though. What was it? I guess he's a broken man. Haunted past. That's what Haunted it was. Past. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um... Yeah. Him and Hangman having their 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 Iceman Maverick rivalry, mm-hmm. and then of course, like it's literally, like the, this is like the this is where that whole like reboot sequel thing goes. Like literally like, to the to a T, then they help each other out. <laughs> well, the great part about it is you get kind of a triangle of not sadness, Sa- sadness, broness, broness. Oh, wow. <laughs> Perfect, because you get Rooster and Hangman don't get along. And Rooster and Maverick don't get along, but Maverick and Hangman also don't get along. Hmm. And it's very Spider-Man pointing. <laughs> yeah, and the resolution ends up that all three of them get along, get each other's back, and have, have growth and character development. Right? Maverick learns how to be a mentor and let go. Let him. We are what they grow beyond. Right, as Yoda would say. Yeah, um, dude. <laughs> in that in that final sequence where Hangman blows that. Uh, advanced fighter jet yeah, out of the, the fifth sky. generation fighter, and it's like, and he goes, "I am good." I like involuntarily went, "Ugh." <laughs> You're well, such because a bro. well, he's such a bro. But the point is that he finally stopped being a shit, right? He's yeah, he because he was a shit. Yeah, now he's just a bro, no longer a shit. But right, so you get mentor, you get Maverick, who becomes the mentor he never thought he could be, Rooster learns how to forgive and to actually unlock his full potential, but not second guessing everything. And hangman understands finally that there's an opportunity for him to still showcase his skill that his ego is so self-confident in without Mm -hmm. 
betraying the people that he, like there's a way to fit in and still showcase his skill set right so that core triangle even though hangman largely gets sidelined for the sideline for the third act he's a super important character to the story and we get to yes. see his own characterization as well the resolution of all of that actually is pretty legitimately solid writing yeah yeah it's you, you you're not wrong right it it's uh it's it's nice to be able to follow that character along and be compelled by it, even if he is a total ass. Uh, <laughs> I did I did appreciate his like when he first showed up in there. Everyone's like has their relative dick measure in contest, and yeah. separately, you have the Jennifer Connelly character taking Maverick to task, <clears throat> putting the tab on him, and Hangman coming over <laughs> and fully maximizing that. <laughs> yep. That was that was great, and you know the 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 perfect. Oh, we don't know who we're actually dealing with. Scene when Maverick comes into the first lesson, and they're they're all like, oh, because <laughs> they threw him out of the bar. <laughs> I, love, was, I love that. That was great. They also chanting overboard. Was it like was it like overboard or something like something that? Like, like that. Yep. And they just literally throw him out of the bar. Oh, you know, uh, circling back to Haunted Past when he's looking through the window at uh, at Gooster playing Gooster. the <laughs> Great Balls of Fire. Yeah. I mean, they had, it had to be done, right? I guess. So they they nailed it. I I will say, when they were introducing all the characters and it was like, it was like Phoenix and Hangman and Payback and all these guys. And then we get Bob. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Bob. And then I went, oh, man. Bob's gonna die. <laughs> I also thought that Bob had a high, high degree chance of dying. And it turns out that Bob just gets to accomplish nothing. Yeah, I guess so. Right? Because he ends up just being in the in the he jet almost died. whose whose laser targeting system doesn't work. Deadeye, deadeye. <laughs> deadeye. That was brutal. Poor Bob. Well, he also was in that plane crash and almost died. Sure. During the, the sure. training. Action. I did I loved when uh when Maverick is grounded and John Hamm is now, he's like, oh, the parameters of this mission have changed. I was like, to, to, to you're dead now? Okay, because that was a very significant increase in time allotted. Dick. Two. And then... Well, that's why I said that, you know, they requested the ultimate sacrifice because sure. he was going to make it a demand. Like, oh, you're going to die. Yeah. Two. But, no, we can do this and you'll only maybe die. <laughs> To have uh, to, all with the perfect setup for Maverick to just get out there and do the run himself, and I was like, "This is this is the excited like this is the very Top Gunny thing that's happening right now." I love this. Like he's like, "Oh, he's gonna whip around the turns, and everybody's gonna be so excited." Like this is this is great. Also, it's fantastic <laughs> that something can be so exhilarating when the stakes are so low. Like he's just racing time and like yep. opposition. He's not even flying in the actual canyon. He's yeah. not in any risk of getting shot down. You know he's not going to crash. And yet that sequence is pretty thrilling as he's... And, and, and it really comes down to cinematography, the way that they shoot it, where <laughs> it's whipping back and forth. And how many of these effects were done practically? Because a yeah. lot of it is them actually... A lot of this movie was with them shot in actual cockpits. Not to yeah. say they were actually flying the planes. Tom Cruise isn't actually flying that plane. An actual pilot is flying that plane 
right. and they're cutting, but the way that it was cut, it feels totally convincing that he's actually doing it. And you feel like you're in one of those 40 things where you're like rocking along back and forth in your chair while it's going Oh, on. yeah. It's I absolutely like, was moving along. You find yourself it, subconsciously leaning into the turns the way you yep. would as if you were in the plane. This movie definitely would have benefited from the gimmick of one of those 40 theaters. Yeah. Like, where, and that's just at the very end, it just chucks you out of the seat. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely would have thrown up on one of those, but like, it, it would have <laughs> felt authentic to the experience. Yeah. I, uh, but yeah, you're right, though. Like, it, it, zero stakes is just like, can it be done? And you're on the edge of your seat, knowing full well that the, where the movie is going, it can be done. It's just not going to go well. Um, and then it's just still, yeah, exhilarating was the right word. Like, it, it's just like really fun to watch. I, I liked when we actually got into, um, it was also the perfect setup for like, well, now I guess I have to make you team leader since you strong armed me into this can be done. And I was, I literally just announced we were changing the parameters of the mission. <laughs> he you like, dick. he did like the weird, like bizarro world version of failing upwards because he kept deliberately flouting orders and mm-hmm. being rewarded for them, not failing, failing to comply but yeah. succeeding massively and being promoted the way he should, despite the fact that every one of them wants to throw him in a prison cell. Yep. yep. Especially John Hamm. I don't know. Who hates him more, him or Ed Harris? <laughs> oh, probably, I guess Ed Harris. Ed Harris. I feel like John Hamm hates him, but he hasn't earned his hatred. Well, I feel like Ed Harris hates him more, but also respected him much more. Yeah, that's, that, that's true. I did love, I think, so there's a couple of comical scenes in the movie. And one of my favorite ones being the hard deck is there for a reason. We don't change it without, right? It's like, from now on, no more changes without explicit consent from me. I want your plans in writing beforehand. What is this? <laughs> it's an extensive it's plan. to lower the hard deck, sir. Lower the hard deck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Warlock afterwards on that scene, dude, you got to work on your timing. <laughs> <laughs> That was so. That was one that got a good chuckle out of me. The other one was sorry. Also, just referring to him only as Warlock reminds me of Santa Claus is coming to town when the Winter Warlock <laughs> is no longer evil. And he goes, "Just Warlock, please." <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was one particularly comical scene. Followed by when um, when when Gooster uh, <laughs> ends up going to save Maverick and getting shot down, and <laughs> Maverick. Goes, you okay? And he goes, yeah. And he just shoves him to the ground. <laughs> that was that was really funny, only to be followed up by, what were you thinking? You told me not to think. And then, speechless. Maverick has no response to that because he's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> it did it was it was pretty think. it was pretty perfect. Coming a week after we did the menu, in which he said, "Why aren't you eating? You told me not to eat." <laughs> you told me not to eat. <laughs> that was that was great. I did like it was funny because like you do know like. You know how movies work, right? So you're watching this. You're like, obviously, the mission is going to be 90% successful. And then we're then the rest of the movie is going to be like figuring out how to deal with this other 10%. Well, the miracle yeah. was that they, even with the Deadeye, they were managed. They, Which miracle? They were, they were, it, what's that? <laughs> miracle 1 or Miracle 2? Oh, um, well, the two miracles together, they were able to bullseye. bullseye in their the bull- <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Both on the law rats in their T16. That there was no failure in that, but the right. failure came after. That was at least a subtle twist on the uh, yeah. the obvious um, 
let's call it generously an homage to uh, Star Wars. Dude, that, uh, that effect of the ground imploding on itself was so cool. Yes. That was so cool. But yeah, then obviously it's going to fall apart. Uh, and I was like, I feel like we're going to have to go with an interesting chunk of this movie on foot, which is not very Top Gun. And then sure enough, that's what happened. And I was like, oh. I mean, it's not, it wasn't a, a, a tremendous amount, but it was like they had to get back in the plane. Uh, also, and, again, le- legitimately thrilling that sequence when they jump over the mountain and have to deal with the Sam thing. And, and watching them, you figure in a situation like that, it's going to be every man for himself, bug out and hope for the best. And to watch them try to work together to yeah. cover each other in a way that ultimately feels like doomed to all of them get shot down. And somehow almost none of them get shot down in that, that specific cool. situation. Um, and the incredibly clever use of flares by Maverick yep. to save Gooster was, was pretty great. Um, but yeah. And, and also another reflection of, you know, the, what, what is the point of this? We only have seven days until we have to do this thing. Whatever. You told me to build you a team. I'm building you a team to see them all work in a team like that, especially when they were supposed to be split up to basically two and a half teams with right. one half the team being sidelined entirely two teams that were supposed to work together for the deployment of the missiles. But then it's just try your best to get home to watch the four of them work together like that. Really yeah. cool. That was awesome. It was so well choreographed and I loved <clears throat> going over the fence and running towards was an F 14. What was the 14? F 14. But the, the, the concept, like it was great. Like it was the idea of like, there's so much chaos going around. We probably could walk right in. Like, and, they and, and they do. And I was like, that felt like the most realistic part of it to me. It was like, yeah, like this is so out of control right now. Literally no, everything's they, on fire. <laughs> they wouldn't, they wouldn't notice. And <laughs> Matt, there's guys over there. Yep. Now there's guys over there too. Yeah. Just keep walking. <laughs> Okay, start running. <laughs> that was great. Just just fly casual. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 I forgot that. that was in uh, something something dark side right? or or yeah. whichever one it was. I forget what the the names of all of them were after oh my gosh. But and it's like the the ship turns into like anthropomorphically casually walking. Yes. Yeah. Through the stars. Um. Why are you putting the wings out? This is a short runway. It's a very short. This isn't a runway. This is a taxiway. <laughs> a very short taxiway. <laughs> that was that was really cool. And then I I like. I mean, that was pretty cool too. Like that's the fighter jet that he was in. That they were in the original movie, I guess. So like, yeah, I believe so. To go back to that was cool. Uh, Gooster being in the back seat, pretty great to to mirror uh, Maverick and Rooster. Um, the idea of none of the tools in the backseat were working, and he's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> also, also the, the idea of getting into this entirely dire situation and him telling him to eject in the same way that he told his father. And this time it just flat out doesn't work at all. Yeah. It's like, I can't. Oh, I failed you so utterly that it's not even going to be like, I survived and I feel guilty because you didn't survive. We're both going to die. And like, yeah. I was fully willing to sacrifice myself so you could live. To pay that debt, and instead, this is going to blow up in my face entirely. Yeah, I uh, I did like when the the fifth generation fighters pulled up next to them, and they're like, "Oh boy, okay, just be cool, just uh, smile casual. and wave, smile and wave." 
What does that mean, Mav? I have no idea. Just <laughs> smile and wave. <laughs> no comms. That doesn't work. Can't hear you. What does that mean? I don't know what that one means either. This isn't looking good. Okay. He's moving into attack position. <laughs> so it's a dogfight then. <laughs> I like that. The like uh, this, The odds are terrible right now. The only move that we have is to very aggressively and abruptly take one of these things out. And that's what they did. And I was like, that this was is- so cool. An incredible exhibit of the best defense is a good offense. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh man, that was, that was, and then of course, like some wild maneuvers and flying and stuff. It was just a really, a really fun uh, sequence. And then obviously Hangman doesn't leave them hanging. Also really liked Hangman's helmet was a game yes, of was Hangman just missing that. letters. Yes. That was cool. That was cool. All in all, fun movie. Fun is the best word to use to describe it, for sure. And then a, a, like a, a door and credit sequence of Tom Cruise getting to fly something that he's actually allowed to fly, because I'm sure he tried so hard to fly one of the actual fighter jets, and everybody was just like, no, no. But there's a credit sequence? Not a post-credits, but during the credits, he's flying that contraption. That oh, he's when he's flying the, with the soccer launch for the yeah. entire movie. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah, the P-51 Mustang from World War II. Yeah. Yeah. Classic uh, old plan, so that was cool, for sure. Good stuff. Anything else on this movie? No. Like I said, I think, um, you know, it was a it was a, an old-school adrenaline rush, stupid action movie with, sl- like, 10% more brain cells than the original. We didn't mention Iceman at all. Oh, yeah, that was legitimately really touching um, yeah. to see how that old... Especially, you almost worried... Like, they kept just having him text him, or they alluded to him, or you know that he's, like, his presence is felt. There's a pictures of him, and then to actually get to see him, and then he spends the whole scene not speaking at all, just pointing to a screen with words on it. And it's, it's so heartbreaking to see him like that now, and mm. all that. And I was like, oh my gosh, if they really can't even let him speak, that's that's so tough. But to get that last little bit of, like, that heartfelt conversation between them for like a minute at the end was was really cool yeah that was that was great. is there um i forgive me i don't actually know anything about what's going on with val kilmer but is he is there something up with him the actor yeah yeah that's why yeah. they did it like that okay. um he had a pretty sure terrible bout with throat cancer okay and i think um like he had to have part of his jaw removed or something like that, which is why his oh, okay. that explains different like the way his, doesn't yeah, able to speak well. I think oh, that's what it was. Um, terrible. It's, that's been going on for several years. It, 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 I know it was very touch and go for him at one point, and yeah. um, I know that they wanted him in this movie, and they didn't think they'd be able to get him at all. So to get him even for a little bit, they did. That's cool great. that they were able to do that. It seemed like he genuinely wanted to be there too, which was wow. But it was a funny way to sign it off. The last thing, which of us is the better pilot? <laughs> this mo- but this movie's fun. It's a fun. It's a fun movie. <laughs> and he goes. He goes. Why ruin a nice moment? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was good. That was good. Awesome. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Biolsi. Thanks for coming out.
Al, the second episode has aired. How are you feeling? A little sick. (laughs) Wasn't the kiss of death that got you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, I was just making a joke, but yeah, no, that was pretty gross. Um, Didn't like that. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Yeah, apparently that sparked a lot of conversation. Um, And uh, I know, I don't know if it was Druckmann or Maven, one of them was like, we really appreciate that all of you feel so strongly about this. (laughs) Honestly, they're like, what they basically said was like, honestly, you don't like it. That's okay. We hear you. Yeah. We made a choice and we wanted to do this. And if you do like it, great. And honestly, (laughs) the fact that all of you guys feel so strongly one way or the other, great. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. But uh, I was was a little confused. I, I, I side with the people who are asking why that happens after she's infected. I would have assumed that she would have been kind of left alone at that point. That's actually where I thought it was going. And I was like, oh, that's cool. It's going to leave her alone because she's, oh my God. (laughs) That was the roller coaster I went on in that scene. The other thing I saw, and I think they actually, whoever it was in the article I was reading alluded to, was um, why they tend to like bite or more aggressively brutalize a lot of the victims and not so much with her. It's because most people are fighting it and she's not. Mm. Which is why, and also like they made a conscious choice of, yeah, no, that is revolting to watch. Yeah. And like, absolutely disgusting. This is a horror show. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool though. Like uh, so far seeing the pacing of the story and where they went with this, like that, like I feel like each of, I think I might've mentioned this last week, but each episode I feel like is going to have something very big happen like this that like very much moves the needle on the story and like very much reminds you how serious and like dire the situation is versus like a a walking dead where you could linger for like six episodes and nothing really happens well i I, it's funny in the i don't know if this was the season preview or the episode one review but my close personal friend alan sevenwall wrote something alluding (laughs) to the fact that they had that whole set piece in the hotel and that in something like the walking dead, they would have probably in order to justify building that set would have probably had to spend half a season in that hotel doing nothing. (laughs) Whereas this show spent 10 minutes on it in one episode and then moved along. And Mm -hmm. that being a big compare and contrast situation, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's, that's true. So, like, I don't think we should really be spending a lot of time anywhere unless there's a good reason to be spending that time there. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, especially in their current situation, part of part of not spending your time there is, like, because of the looming threat that's constantly there and constantly getting worse, like, they have to keep moving. And I Mm -hmm. think that will only aid the storytelling, which is great. There was um, one particular scene. Well, there was a handful of scenes that are, are one for one shots from the game, but like one particular scene with the see the Capitol building in the distance and walk down, they go down the ladder. Like, and then and the they rat, keep the, they keep across the, the top of the ladder. They, the rat, right? they keep, <laughs> but they keep the camera still like locked that way. That was just like a memorable scene from the game for me. So like, it was, that was another one that was like, oh, this is great. Like, this feels so good. This show feels so right. <laughs> and the performances, they're killing it. I think they're absolutely killing it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the core three, which is now two, for sure, all three of them had been um, really strong so far. Um, mm-hmm. They obviously gave a lot of work to do for Tess the last two 
episodes. Um, it is a shame that it's now come to an end in that way, sure. but I uh, appreciated her for what she was in this show. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of characters that you get to to spend a little bit of time with that that are super powerful in the story. So this will be it's it's nice to see that they can handle it well. Um, I also think there's something I'm not going to go too deep into it, but they like within the within the conversations that they're having with Ellie, they're hinting at some character building stuff that happens far in like like much further down the road, like some stuff that's happens even in like the second game, but they're establishing the character further now because they have the storyline. They weren't, they're not waiting to figure it out and write it. Like they know where it's going. So like they're able to actually make the character feel more grounded now at to, to know where it's going. It's just really, it's just really awesome. And I just feel like it's such a, it really tr- feels like a masterpiece. Like the way that they are, like they're kind of, it's like a second draft of a story that was already fantastic. Mm-hmm. because they have the the they know where the story is going now so that they're able to they're able to make it more cohesive even it wasn't not that it wasn't before but like it just makes it like they're 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 laying things out now that are well, going to make sense later <laughs> you have the opportunity with the benefit of hindsight both to yeah have the synergy to be able to intend foreshadowing for things to come as well as yeah, like the hindsight of, oh, this really worked. This maybe didn't work as well as we thought when we wrote it. And now we have a chance to correct that or improve it, even if it's not wrong. It could always be better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this should be a more polished and refined version of the original. It was 10 years ago. Yeah. If it was lesser, they've done something wrong. Not to say that everything can be improved upon, but there's got to be a handful of things that they can do better. Well, I think what what continues to set the show apart for me and blow me away is that they they don't need to go to any greater lengths than the story that they already have that they could just adapt to an actual screen. But instead, they are they're bolstering it, which well, is the big, wonderful. Well, the big thing for me, and I don't know how it was delivered in the game, but I'm going to assume like, the sequence that opened, off, opened up this episode with the flashback to what happened in Jakarta, that probably was not part of the game. No. So there's a real easy opportunity to continue. I really hope after we've now opened two consecutive episodes with flashbacks, I honestly hope that every single episode opens with some sort of flashback, whether it be, yeah, that'd be cool. One, like it doesn't have to be an episode length flashback the way that the first episode is. It doesn't have to even be a, whatever it was, 12 minute flashback the way this one was. It could be mm-hmm. a, two or three minute one, but we have 20 years of time to fill. Yeah. Every episode to me, I would think should open with some somewhere in the world or somewhere in time along the timeline, bridging that gap this season. I would open every episode with some sort of flashback to continue to color in and, and fill in the background to everything that's happened all around the world. There's a million great stories to tell. You don't have yeah. to spend a season or even an episode on them. You can spend two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes every week doing something like that. I thought that was really, really interesting way to start mm-hmm. off this episode uh, this week with the Doctor. It also spawned that great uh, tweet <laughs> I sent to you. Uh, was it was y- yesterday or earlier today. It was, um, if you're a, a mycologist and the government needs you, things must be pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was great. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's... Man, it's nice to have this show, this anchor, this Sunday night anchor, to be like... Tuesday night anchor, yeah, definitely. Well, for, for, <laughs> for me, it's like, 
Uh, the weekend's coming to an end. The you know the the long week is about to start again. But wait, <laughs> there's this. <laughs> so that's it's it's great. Uh, next episode, I believe we're introducing Nick Offerman's character, which will be fun. Okay. Um, at least that's what it seemed like. I didn't see at the end of these episodes. Have they been showing a preview to the next week? There's like a. I feel like there was like a very minor tease of what's coming. Not like a not okay. like a, a proper like preview of the next episode. Because I've watched it on HBO Max the last two weeks, so sometimes they'll jump into it in the credits. Sometimes you have to like fast forward all the way, and then sometimes like they post like an interstitial separate episode. I haven't looked for mm. it, but I haven't seen anything yet, and and that's fine. But it sometimes it's nice to have it, even if it's a fifteen second tease to what's coming next. Yeah. Have you been watching the? Uh, I've been watching on HBO Max also, like just immediately as it's available. But they they also do like the little interviews at the end. No, I haven't episode. seen that either. Really? Oh well, that's just happened. That just plays at, at the end of the episode. Oh no, mine. It's been going straight to the credits. I'm sure if I fast forwarded, I would get to it. But I've just been turning it off Weird. once it hits credits. Maybe I do watch the credits and I sit there and listen to the music. That might have been what it was. But anyway, the it, that that's fun too to listen to them talk about the show and the episode. In the talk about it in a meaningful way, where it's like we made this decision, you know, like we thought about this thing, and like uh, we were really excited to do X, Y, or Z, versus like what they do at the end of The Walking Dead, where you just like stop, just shut up, shut up. You didn't put any thought into this. Stop it. You stop. Oh, I, I was thinking immediately, like, so we we're not getting Neil Druckmann saying. So Tess kind of forgot that the clicker could bite her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that was another one where they did a shot for shot of her like luck had to run out sometime. Like that was that was big. And it's, like, it's so it's fun though to like. Cause I'm sitting there watching it with Kim who doesn't know the story and didn't play the game, so it's fun to know where certain things are going and to kind of just glance over and see how it's being delivered for somebody who doesn't know what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's effective. It's good stuff. Big fan. And uh, looking forward to more of that. Anything else on this episode? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, it was definitely a, a very solid, you know, I kind of had the fear. I really enjoyed the first episode, but with a show like this, I always wonder, okay, we gave you so much in the first episode. Yeah, can we keep that are, momentum? Are we going to really back off? Sometimes you get that real big slack in the second episode. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they largely didn't do that. Yeah, I would say they definitely slowed it down, but they slowed it down from like the breakneck speed that it was moving. So it's yeah, still, it down it's from still moving at a healthy a, pace. They turned it down from a, an 11 to like a seven and a half, eight, which is right, fine. Right. Frankly, the whole rest of the show shouldn't be always in eight. Like you can have a quieter episode. I just there's so many shows that do that in the second episode. It's like you come to a screeching halt of the momentum. Like there's room to do that in like episode four. Yeah, I. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm really curious how they're gonna play it out. I'm gonna guess that they're gonna do the Game of Thrones thing, where the second to last episode of the season is the one that is a 15 out of 10, because there's there's like big stuff that will happen, and then this way they could do the the one more episode that lets you come down from it. (laughs) Which I I do actually like that execution style of the storytelling. Like that's. that's I don't know that every single story works that way, but it certainly was an effective device for a lot of there's room for it here so that'll be i'd be curious to see how they how um 
but yeah, tune in next week for the last word on The Last of